Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot. We charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Darlene Shrug is a mighty and captivating rock and roll band from Toronto, Ontario. Comprised of multi-band affiliated drummer Simone TB, Meg Remy of U.S. Girls, Ice Cream's Carlin Bezik and Amanda Creest, and the artist formerly known as Slim Twig, Max Turnbull, Darlene Shrug just released their astonishing debut record. It's self-titled and available now, via Upset the Rhythm Records, and so Simone and Max and I recently got together to have an extensive chat about each and every song on the album. Sponsored by Fresh Books, Hello Fresh Canada, Pizza Trocadero, The Bookshelf, Planet Bean Coffee, and Granddad's Donuts, this is Simone and Max of Darlene Shrug on the 363rd episode of Creative Control with your host, me, Vish Khanna. Simone, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for being on the show. Yeah, my pleasure. Have you ever been on the show? No. But you're like, the, some of the bands you are in and people you work with have been on the show. Yeah, you've never asked me before. Oh, God. Is it going to be like this? You're going to make things up? <laughs> you asked the question. <laughs> I didn't. I, it's not that I didn't ask you. It's just, I don't know. People are like, ah. I'm only teasing you. Yes. Okay. No, yeah. it's nice to have yeah. you on the show. Thank you. You know I'm a fan of yours. I right? know, I know. I, I know, like I know. you. I want You gave me the opportunity to give you a little jab here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here. No, it's yeah. you're too lyric centric. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's not true. I don't think that's true. I'm a word guy. I think I am a word guy. Max, welcome back to the show. Thank you for having me. Yeah, again. See? You I, I had back. <laughs> I think this is my third time. Is it your third? The, I think so. Huh. I don't know. But I did one with... when you phoned, and actually Simone was with me. It, we were making music in New Mexico. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And then you did another one, and I was, I'm just visualizing where I was when I parents was talking has? to you. Yeah, I was at my parents' place, yeah. and you were interviewing me on the phone. So oh, actually, fun. this is the first time I've, I've appeared in person yes. to do an interview. You and I, uh, I think the first time we met, I was working at CBC and yeah. Radio 3, and you came up and we did like a, I think we did an album feature on a Slim Twig record. Right, so this is maybe the fourth Fourth time or fifth time we've probably done yeah. a formal thing, yeah. Yeah, you I like. Simone, not so much. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. I am obviously kidding. It's great to have you here. Uh, congratulations on this Darlene Shrug record. It's great. Thank you. you Thank feel, you. You feeling all right about it? 
Yeah. yeah. We've made music together since we were 13 years old. And um, so that's 16 years. And this is the first album that we've completed. So it's lo- <laughs> it's been long in the making. And I think it contains a lot of the strains. Uh, or Sorry, strains. It contains some strains, <laughs> for sure. Strands <laughs> of yeah. a lot of the things that we've uh, it's been... It's going to be that kind of chat, isn't it? Oh, yeah, man, I you so. don't even yeah. know. <laughs> it has a lot of strands of things that we've been working towards for right that period of time so right you two good. you two had a band called tropics mm-hmm. at yes. some point and this was when you were 13 or no mm, no no we were first in a in a sweet new metal band together called uh control alt delete when we were 13 that's yep. a good name that's what everybody says that's what everyone you know? says yeah. that's, that's a definitely good name. It's, it's good a name good, bad band good computer nice name people, though. yeah yeah and so you were where did you two meet exactly was it school junior high school yeah yeah we both went to a junior high school that had 70 kids 35 in grade 7 and 35 in grade 8 total yep mm-hmm. 70 kids yeah, yeah it was an alternative school where, where was this uh in, in the east end in the east end in of toronto. toronto okay and it was called the name of the school i think it still exists is east yeah. and it has a focus on social justice issues um and that's how we met yeah wow okay yeah. and what 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 exactly gravitated you together. The fact that there was only <laughs> 33 other kids. You gotta make friends yeah. with someone. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Yeah, Actually, yeah. Simone had a corn t-shirt on uh, I think the first day of school. This yeah, is I why. This is why you weren't on the school. show. This is why I've not. I'm snobby. I didn't think. Uh, oh well, this was Max's favorite band. Corn, That's what he was about to say. You guys are so. corn people. We're th- oh yeah, yeah we, you know. we saw, went to see corn last uh, year when we got back from New Mexico. Yeah, a year and a half yeah. ago. Or oh, yeah. how was it? Uh, Sorry, it was, I didn't mean you know, to insult your corn. Really no, it's okay. We saw corn and Slipknot, and corn like blew Slipknot out of the water. Slipknot came on. and We're like, this is like macho garbage. But corn, they're actually a real band, and they are. They're legit. They have like a sound that's unique, and hmm. they're heavy. This, I, I like this, corn. this keeps happening because you guys are younger than me, and I have I had I've talked about this before. People talk to me about how great Blink One Eighty Two is, and I say no, I can't be true. I can I can agree with you with that. Oh, that one you're on side. Yeah, but I think that's the whole point, right? Is that the nobody's going to agree on everything. I know. Nobody's going to agree on everything. I but I actually try to argue back, and I don't have I enough of a foothold in the corn. That's why, you, that's why you have a podcast or want to influence yeah, everybody's it's, taste. <laughs> it's coming back around. Like, give it 10, yeah. 10 more years and Numero Group is going to be putting out, like, new Corn? metal. Oh. Just new yeah. metal, compl- like, new metal in Ohio, yeah. you know, oh. no, not, compilations. Yeah. Not to say all of the content will be deserved of, you know, listening, but. Yeah, I guess good. in my head it's, a uh, you know, Limp Bizkit, Corn. They seem yeah. to be uh, two different bands. Bedfellas somehow. They seem to do some. Yeah, but Limp Bizkit are, so, again, so much more macho. Corn yes. actually don't Had a sensitive have that side? Kind of, hmm. Yeah, for sure. Very sensitive side. Well, okay. yeah, there was the whole, um, <laughs> we're really going to turn this into a Corn podcast now. Why not? So Jonathan cast. Davis used to be always taunted and called gay when he was a kid. So he had that huge HIV tattoo on his arm right. as like a, like, I don't care, you know. Like I'm not homophobic, uh, I'm not gay either, but I don't care. So and, like, that's pretty interesting. Yeah. Like for a genre that is considered so uh, macho and male driven and kind of just like definitely homophobic stuff like that. It's like you know there were some there's other opinions. There. There's, there's a little depth. To there's corn. more yeah. depth there yeah, than yeah. I'm giving them yes, credit for. for Meg sure. is also a, a huge corn fan. Just oh, so you know, okay. so this does kind of circle okay. back to yeah, the yeah. band a little bit. Well, so this is just I've I've got us off. You on have the to wrong re-listen foot. to the I've record now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which record would you recommend? Oh, uh, follow the leader yeah, was like I'm one of the, the first cassette guy. I had of theirs. Okay. Yeah. I think Mega's life is peachy, but she's a bit older. So yeah, follow the leader. Okay, I will. 
I will try to listen to. I'm sorry. It's just that I had such a knee jerk reaction to it's music cool. coming out around that time. Yeah. And I, it seemed like a bleak period. Fair enough. Yeah. I mean, potentially it was, but we were 13 years old. And I mean, culturally that like bleak. The, like, that, no, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, potentially yeah. it was. But, yeah. you know, A, we were 13. If you're 13, you're going to get into something strongly and identify with something strongly. Right. And, um, you know, looking I, back on it, it really. I would. It's not like I'm gonna run home and put on a corn record, but it's not unlistenable, which is a lot more than can be said about did a it, lot of things. Did did corn inform the music you started to make? Yes, when well, you in first that started band, that in that band of, for sure, in I control think, of the lead. Yeah, yeah, to bring it back to our sort of musical genesis, I think yeah. the first band that we were in was very much coming out of that school of circus magazine, new metal, right? Kind of tough, angsty. Yeah. I mean. Stuff. It, it's it's not, notable that it wasn't very good. Most of it. Was, no, yeah. that what we were doing. Oh, yeah, oh yeah. your band wasn't very good. Yeah, yeah, it was good. not very good. Okay. Yeah, but I mean, Stepping Stones. Right? So sir, was that your primary, like, what, where did you hear about these bands, both of you, living in the, or whatever, going to school in the like East End of Toronto? Corn and, and band. Well, you mentioned Circus Magazine. Yeah. Uh, I don't know that it took a while for those kinds of bands to end up on the radio and have. No, they, they were, that was on Much Music. Right away? Pretty much yeah. right yeah. away? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Okay, so you saw them then? Yeah, that you know, my taste in music was still informed by like the video countdown, but I had a sense that I didn't fit uh, comfortably in mass culture. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the the videos that seemed most edgy, <laughs> I felt yeah. that, that was you know a sort of display of um, my personality, which I thought of even then as like slightly left of center, probably. Okay, and and to you, just so that was the thing to me that was an extension of mainstream culture at the time. Of course. But for you, it seemed left of center. Yes. Okay. But that's, you know, the perspective of a 12 or 13 year Totally, yeah. It's a generation uh, a gap, I suppose. Uh, okay, so Control-Delete ends. It sounds like... Uh, then we started Tropics yeah. in high school. High school. Like two years after that, or a year, year after I that. I guess grade nine, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So uh, Control-Delete was like... 14 just, or something? What were you, 14, yep. 15? Yeah, 14 in grade nine. Yeah, okay. So you start a you start Tropics. Is it always just the two of you? Because when I saw yeah. Tropics, it was a it was a duo. It was, yeah, it was always the only time we ever played with a third person is a, we had Amanda play one show with us in two thousand six. Amanda, yeah, from this band, Amanda Chris. Oh, oh, from this, yeah. band, oh, from the current contribution. Yeah, from, okay, from Darlene Shrug. Yeah, uh, she played like synth with us for one show, but that, that was, was it. That, that was, was like only because the promoter was like, hey. Uh, I want a band with keyboards to open for Shoo Shoo. Do you, can you? Is there any way you can yeah. accommodate <laughs> keyboards yeah, into your band? So we're, like, uh, <laughs> you're desperate for gigs, right? Um, so you did it. Fi- yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh yeah. We did it for one show. Yeah. So you were playing live when you like that's a big show. We were playing live. Yeah, before that, that. We probably would have been like 17 or 18. That was that the night time. of my high school graduation, so that would have okay. been so yeah. We 17. 17. Did you miss the ceremony? Yeah. For this show. Yeah, I didn't. I mean. I don't care about like graduation. How ceremony. many how many awards did you leave on the table there? I mean, I you must have won. I'll have to go f- back to find out. You I must have know. won a few awards. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. Hey, did you go to is high school? Uh, is East the high school as no, well? No, junior high school. No. Junior high school. Yeah. Did you go to the same high school? No. Oh man, so you oh that's a sad aspect of the story. Did it's you actually not because I went to uh, Earl Haig, which is an art school. Simone went to an art school as well, Rosedale. Yeah, yeah. But I met a whole bunch of other kids. Um, who did not live in the East End, and then those kids kind of started to trickle into our social oh, set okay. and our musical collaborations, yeah. and now uh, two well, of Am- the other... Amanda and Hillary did. Yeah, they went what? to high school. They lived in the East End, though. They, that's true. Yeah. They did live in the right. East End. Yeah. 
but it was from my going to Earl Hag and meeting those guys that you know ultimately I see what that, that we I see what you mean. You go to separate high schools, and then you two are the bridge between the two spheres. Yeah. You yeah. kind of bring those two. Yeah, we definitely groups had our together. Own. Even though we didn't go to high school together, we were definitely a large friend group. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, how would you describe? I know it evolved by the end of Tropics, because Tropics did end at some point, right? As an mm-hmm. entity, mm-hmm. it did. How would you describe the sound of Tropics towards the end of its existence? I'm fast forwarding to. It's, you know, where it culminated, I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To me, that band was always just the combination of our energies. Um, yeah. We have had a... We were born two days apart. Oh, wow. And we're both Leos. Um, so that's always how I sort of preface describing yeah. our dynamic. Mm. Yeah. Um, and there just seemed to be sort of a combustible element to our relationship. That, combustible? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, very fire relationship. Oh, fire. so like you you don't always see eye to eye kind of thing? Is that what you mean? Uh, or do you mean there was a spark? I can see, that, both. I can see that the, there's yeah, a yeah. fire within you that you yeah. share. I think that yeah, yeah. band was sort of the height of a kind of competitive dynamic. So yeah. it was like two people trying to outdo You're, one another. And I it could, sort of okay. made for something that was um, inwardly confrontational, but also evident from the outside. So it was very punky and aggressive, um, confrontational. Does the competitive aspect uh, between you manifest itself in the way you approach your instruments? Uh, I think it did at that time. Definitely. Because you're yeah. both considered, I would say, and I don't mean to you know, make any of you uncomfortable, but it seems to me that you're both regarded by those who know you as top-tier musicians in the Toronto arts community, like really, really hyper-proficient at what you do. Like oh, someone's nice. do your drumming is insane. Like it's so yeah. great, and and Max, you play uh, all sorts of things, right? Yeah, Max, you play guitar too, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You your guitar is amazing. You're yeah. a fantastic. Your guitar it looks yeah. amazing. Your it's guitar, guitar, your guitar yeah. playing, no, if you, you yeah. will, is fantastic. It's gotten a lot better since. But you also tropics. do other stuff. I mean, your work as a yeah, producer. No, I, th- I think I, I'm I hesitated good. to get yeah. specific because I think I don't want to shortchange any of the yeah. other stuff you do. I think your productions. Incredible as Thank well. Thank you. Yeah. yeah, I think that's more my skill set, and the guitar playing is sort of yeah. a necessity. Guitar, to... your primary instrument? Because um, you play yeah, keys. It is. And it is. You play lots of stuff, right? Guitar and, and keys, but certainly as far as understanding, you know, the relation between notes and things like that, guitar is uh, what I go to. Okay. So, uh, I, I like I say, I, I hope I'm just trying to express to you that I'm a fan, yeah. obviously. <laughs> I mean, that's why I wanted you both here, and I think individually you're great. Um, let's go from the end of Tropics. Is it possible to go from the end of Tropics into Darlene Shrug? Is I, that... I mean, it is. Is that how it worked? It's definitely... There are songs that we were working on as a duo. I mean, we still write uh, primarily as a duo, but there were songs that we were working on as a duo for Tropics that at the time that it made sense to kind of close one door and open another kind of thing. It mm. definitely carried over a bit, but it is... See, I don't think of it as there there being material that carried over so yeah. much as like a desire to still make music together. Yeah, um, I feel like I honestly feel like there may have been a song or two at first that were that we were working on before we'd had like the conversation of. Well, starting it's something curious new. to me that you just said you still write primarily as a pair mm-hmm. musically. Yeah. The yeah, music. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, we've continued to try and like arrange songs together, and that is largely like the musical foundation of what we do right. in this present day band mm-hmm. um, with everyone else chipping in other skill sets you know Meg writes the lyrics and the vocal melodies and um, Amanda and Carlin uh, they provide a lot of energy towards the arrangements and ideas about 
um, how we want to flesh things out sort of beyond just what, what the riffs may be. Yeah, um, yeah, we kind of leapfrog there in, a, in the narrative because yeah. Darlene Shrug is now a five-piece band. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And yeah. you mentioned the people. And they, yeah. all, they have their respective projects. Mm-hmm. For sure. Which are? Well, uh, Meg, who <laughs> does a lot of singing for this band and is the lyricist of the band, um, she performs as U.S. Girls. Been on the show. She has. Meg's been friend of the show. Meg was a great guest on the show. I really enjoyed that one. Yeah. I still get the odd email about that show, I have to say. Yeah. Yeah. She's uh, an articulate person. Yeah. And she just, uh, I I appreciate her spirit. And uh, again, when we talk about musicality, I think her approach to it's fascinating to me that you thought, uh, it seems to me that you handed over the reins Mm -hmm. to certain aspects of what you two do to Meg, because Mm -hmm. that's in her skill set is to. To not only write amazing, vivid lyrics, but to also come up with the melodies and, and the phrasing. That's really important. And mm-hmm. I mean, how did that... I mean, and just for full disclosure, she's your wife, right? Yes. Yeah, so is that is that the entry point, really? Uh, I suppose so, yeah. She moved up here, and Simone and I had a desire to continue making rock and roll music together. And um, at the time, I sort of was inclined to keep lyrics that I was writing... For the other project that I was doing um, at the time, which was Slim Twig, uh, and so I just sort of still wanted to sing, but didn't want the uh, responsibility of writing lyrics for another band. Basically, was what it started as, and mm-hmm. now it's completely shifted into something else because I re- subsequently tired doing uh, retired doing Slim Twig. When was that? When did you do that? Um, in 2015. Was there like an announcement about this? No, it just sort of happened. It was cool. a decision. I Quietly. Made, yeah. Oh, that's too bad. Um, and, and now it's developed into a thing where Meg uh, is now, like, sort of the front person of the band at yeah. times. Of Darlene Shrug. Yeah, yeah, I think she brings that energy live. Um, you know, part of what's dynamic about the band is I think every person in it could be described as the front person of it, depending on the song or, or uh, the part of the song or, or whatever. But um, what's cool about the band is that the responsibility is completely shifted from what the initial the initial impetus was. Um, while the sort of core of it, which was a desire for Simone and I to continue our rock and roll collaboration, um, has continued. Okay. Um, but it's been really cool to see people take on different roles and to see people, like, to, to just sort of see people blossom creatively in front of you as far as what they're bringing to the table. Right. You know, doing a lot of the vocal arrangements on this album was an eye-opener for me as far as what Carlin and Amanda can do and, uh... And they they are uh, they are together a group called Ice Cream, that's which correct, we haven't yeah. uh, we kind of alluded to I think. Yeah. And they got into this orbit how Simone? How they got into the orbit? Uh, we we just we were talking about who we'd want to play with, and those two were immediate. Uh, they're both we've known them both for a very long time. Same thing since high school. Oh, always did you had go to one of you. They went to Earl Hag. Yeah, oh, they both okay. did. Right. Um, always had a lot of respect for them as musicians. I would say they kind of. They'd stuck with playing music kind of as long as we had and had really, both of them, in in my eyes, had been, like, constantly working on improving their skill set. And I don't know. Those are the kind of, pers- kind of people we want to be working with, so it worked out really well. Is there a Darwinian aspect to being a musician in Toronto? They kept at it? They survived? I think totally. F- Absolutely. Among I think the, so. like, early 20s set there is, you yeah. know. If you're in bands in high school, there's going to be... A diminishment of the the pool of people. Of the people I, th- I think it goes. I think it keeps going on. Oh, for sure, like, for sure. Yeah, no, I think it's forever. But I think that's yeah. one of the places where people drop out. You know. Yeah, for sure. 
potentially. They feel like uh, they need to get on with their lives. They have yeah. grow it, whatever. Yeah. They don't. It's not a hardcore impulse for them. Yeah. I think. I mean, who's to speculate on yeah. these hypothetical people we're describing? Exactly. But I think yeah, it's yeah. true. I do think yeah. it's true that people who keep going, something's yeah. driving them mm-hmm. to keep going. Yeah. So yeah, if there's something beyond the sort of social aspect yeah. of being in a yeah. band and playing with other bands, which is very fun. Yeah. Um, yeah, because in high school, it's just something to do. Yeah. Yeah. Just sure. like uh, you know. It's well, a, you're looking for all these different things to signal your identity, and yes, you know, a band is a great way to do that and the band is a great project yeah. it's also yeah. you know i think it um we, i made the kind of faux joke i guess about it being darwinian but it does as you two know i think being in a band really tests your metal in terms of yeah. uh your you know what you're mental mentally capable of and in, in terms of um and physically capable of it's not an easy life um mm-hmm. so yeah, I'll tell you, the, the drive from Halifax to Toronto feels a lot different the next day when you're 29 as yeah. opposed to when you're 19. <laughs> Thank you for coming in. Yeah, you were no just problem. in Halifax. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Uh, there's one other person I want to get to because I think we have a loose sense, at least now, of how Darley and Shrug have configured. Yeah. Young Gov. Uh, my understanding is Young Gov uh, was pivotal in getting you to record as a group. And is I believe credited as, as the executive producer of the record, right? Yes, the young gov put up six hundred bucks for yeah. us to get in the studio, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and he was. Uh, he yeah. also he found an, an anonymous. Well, basically, yeah, he was he, a cheerleader. He, he was definitely a cheerleader. He knows he's known Max and I for a long time. He knows kind of um, our habits. Uh, in terms of non-completion, potentially, and he kind of—he's a procrastination like, eliminator kind of thing. I guess so. I don't even know if it's procrastination with us. Like we both come from like n- n- no money. You know what I mean? Yeah, sure. Uh, and that is—I mean, it's, it's, it's sucks to talk about, but that's also like a huge part of like being able to do anything. Yeah. And you know, nobody ever really put money into us or behind us. And at this point, he he was able to find somebody who would put up some money to record the record and put up a little himself. And so okay. that was, um, without it, it would have been impossible or at least, uh, very, very different. So that, I think, yeah, yeah his enthusiasm about the band seeing us yeah. live, um, kind of prompted us to get in the studio and he facilitated that. Yeah. And, uh, he, he also had a hand, vocals. yeah, he, he had a hand in, oh, he sings on the, it. Yeah. The vocal oh. arrangements the, and, the um, high voice of an angel in there. You find it. He's a, uh, yeah, he's a, he's a ridiculously gifted, songwriter and singer and and i wondered if he uh offered there's, his expertise in, in certainly that realm. he did and there's also one other person that should be mentioned as yeah. far as the creation oh, of the right. record, which is steve charlie right um who is a fabulously talented uh, engineer mixer producer um who's done i the last limp twig record i did uh in, in uh, conjunction with steve he just did the no warning record the oh, no okay. Warning record. okay he's got a big the, background in hardcore and yeah metal forthcoming u.s girls as well as the last u.s girls the uh yeah the, some of the young gov stuff a lot of great stuff yeah, he's working on the ice cream record but right now part of the family absolutely oh for sure yeah. he's you know, he's the dad it sounds like he might be the dad of you the know family. he yeah. might be he might be or like the really <laughs> cool cousin like he, older cousin better yeah, older brother maybe yeah yeah. Maybe, yeah, yeah, yeah 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 i think older brother is fair yeah spent yeah. a lot of time in his basement mixing this album and he worked on this record probably more than anyone else oh okay. so he's a lovely man all right, mm-hmm. and you should hire him if you are in a band in Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> okay. What's the what's the does he have a, a Steve Cholly, the Canadian Tone Ranger? I think that's, that's on Twitter. That's his handle. The Canadian, Canadian Tone, Tone Ranger, Ranger something oh, like that. Okay. So. Pretty good. Okay. That's not bad. All right. Yeah. 
We're going to uh, get into the record now, I think. And I wanted to pull up the artwork because I wanted to start there. But I can't find the... Uh, there it is. There's the artwork, I believe, for the record. Is that correct? Yes. Uh, Simone, can you describe this for people listening as this is not a visual podcast? Uh, it is... <laughs> I don't. I can't really describe that. How do, you might have. You might. You might be able. To yeah. Describe it somebody. Yeah. I mean, I can. Yeah, yeah. It's a. It seems to be a, a table. Uh, yeah. Like a, a desk, like an old-fashioned desk. Yeah. Maybe? Or like a, a. Yeah. Set of. Yeah. Desk. Set of drawers with a abnormally shaped uh, chess or checkerboard, and then yeah. it's black and white. It, it, it seems to be from the 18th century or something. Yeah. It's like a piece of clip art of yeah. a table. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. And then there's a framed photograph in color. Uh, of who is that? That's Amanda. Yeah, that's Amanda. That's Mandy Mongrel. That's yeah. Amanda. Okay, yeah. and and she's ripping on a guitar there and blowing yeah, on a on a bass six, blowing uh, a bubble and blowing a bubble. Okay, and yeah. there's uh, some uh, musical notes uh, cascading above. We've it's, described the thing. What what yeah. is this meant to convey? Would you it's say it's a visual riddle? It, it is a visual riddle. Yes. Yeah. Oh, do you want to leave it at that? Well, I think it's just to tease the mind. Um, it has teased my mind. Then it's to done a great its extent, job. Then yeah. it's done its yeah, job. That's I am great. mystified by it, and it, uh, it's it's sort of, I don't know. It seems very much like it should live on the computer, but I can't. This is gonna. Is this on vinyl? Is this gonna be a big yes. record? October twenty. Yeah, I, I can't wait to hold this in my hands and just stare at it, because it's mystifying to me. Does it? Does this capture any essence of the record? You say it's a riddle. I think it does. Yeah. I mean, um, of the sounds therein. For sure. There's kind of a nod to a sort of colorful aesthetic, um, something feminine in it, perhaps, but yes, yes. Uh, mostly just something ambiguous that's sort of stark and colorful and maybe pulls your mind in, you know, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pull people's minds in different directions depending on the individual. Bubbles bursting, eh? Sorry, I'm going to work on a master's thesis <laughs> about this record, and it's I'm starting here. Very this good. is my research, because I... I wondered about the bubble as well. Okay. That's uh, satisfying to me. People can look at it uh, for themselves and, and try to puzzle over it the way I have. We're going to get into the songs a little bit. And I want to begin uh, with the first song, which is called Inherit the Wind. history as a play. I believe it has a history as a, a few different film adaptations. And the play is, a, I believe, about uh, creationism versus evolution. It's very loaded. Mm. Um, or rather, it's a it's a heavy sort of topic. Mm -hmm. I, I have a feeling, based on what I can tell about the song, that it's not really related to that storyline. Can any of you explain that to me, where this title comes from? It's also an episode of Roseanne, is it not? 
Yes, I think Spoon's oh, getting a, to the heart of, yeah, yeah. of Roseanne. Yeah. Interesting. And I believe the song mentions a certain yeah. Darlene as yeah. well. Yes, Darlene. Well, I assume yeah. Darlene Shrug was the Darlene in question here. There's a lot of mystery yeah. and well, riddles think, going on on this yes, record. Yes, there is. There is. So is yeah. there a particular fascination uh, with Roseanne? I guess we're, we're going to speak on behalf of Meg here a little bit. Is she fascinated by Roseanne? I think we all are, yeah. yeah. Oh, you all are. As, yeah. as a sitcom, Roseanne was big. Yeah, it's still. I've just rewatched it again the other, like the other. Is month. It, it's on Netflix, isn't it? Uh no, I I watched it on some other website. I don't. Oh, I don't okay. know if it is on Netflix. I'm. Uh, I think it like was. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyway, but um, but that... also that the the town in Ro- Roseanne is like close to or supposed to be close to where Meg grew up. It is not. Um, where is Roseanne set? In, is it? Set it's in Illinois. Illinois? Yeah, is yeah. it? It's somewhere yeah. in Illinois. Yeah, yeah. 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 Which yeah, I yeah. think that that, I mean, again, not to speak for Meg, but I'm pretty sure I've heard her mention that that kind of gave her a bit of a closeness to it that's fascinating so the show just uh resonated enough for for meg to try to tell some kind of song story about it seems to me you're saying simone a particular episode even um yeah i think roseanne has something to do with it i think of the song sort of as a parable about meg coming north because she's an american yeah and she came north from illinois um and i think the lyrics make reference to that um, in, in some sense. I think there's a lot to do here with reputation, about um, particularly young women and how they have to fend off uh, um, scrutiny mm. uh, from the general public. And and I and I just I can I can see that when I think of that show, there was a lot of that. Like uh, the kids were very embarrassed about their working class parents. Mm-hmm. And the perception of them, mm-hmm. uh, particularly uh, not Darlene. Uh, what's the other Becky? Becky mm-hmm. was like kind of you know she had like a, almost a classist thing happening, mm-hmm. and Darlene was like the goth kid or whatever, like the kind of black sheep thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and you relate to Darlene, <laughs> all yep. of you. Does, yeah. Does the, well, yes, like yeah. Does the name come from the the character of Darlene? Would you say that the name of the band? Uh, I don't think so. Not really, no. But I mean, <laughs> it could. It's never, it's never bothered me that it makes me think of the character. Sometimes. I can see, yeah. like Darlene, yeah, yeah. a shrug, yeah, really captures the character of Darlene. Yeah, she had true. this, like, she carried herself with this kind of, you know, yeah, indifference. Yeah, and, sure. and, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just had the word shrug for a long time and really liked it, and oh. someone and I both liked it. Yeah, and then uh, Meg kind of collaged Darlene into it. Yeah, and then and also like Darlene Love too. Like there are a lot of great Darlene. Sure, there's some yeah. good Darlene. Sure, there yeah. are some good Darlene's. Yeah, it was 20 years ago today. Meg says at one point, mm-hmm. which reminded me of the song "Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band." Mm-hmm. Is that a reference to that? You uh, think it's the episode? I think Max and I were emailing about this, and you're like, "No, pretty sure it's Roseanne." I sort of like songs where the band is sort of telling a story yeah. of the band or the genesis of the band somehow. Oh. And I sort of think of this song in that respect, um, sort of in parallel with it being a story about Meg coming north. Mm-hmm. And Works for me. I haven't... <laughs> it was 20 years <laughs> ago like today. Darlene had the chance to say, let them inherit the wind. Let them wonder where I've been. The fool of the family will rise again. Let them inherit the wind. It's amazing. Like, that's amazing. Yes. And sort of, it's like the revenge of Darlene. Yes. Yeah. All right. I don't have much more to say. It's a rocker. It's a great rock song. Do you want to say anything about the performance? It's a great rock song. I think you said it yourself. (laughs) Anything you want to say about uh, the guitar or playing or anything? I I love opening the record with the riff. 
you're a riff like, guy. Yeah, and when you, like you play riffs. this, you always like you slam your foot down really hard. It definitely has this like it's a very announcing. The riff ha- has sort of yeah, uh, it's, it's a, a very power strong over me. yeah, it's very strong. I love watching you play it. Uh, fantastic song. Yeah. This uh, okay. There's a, we're gonna talk about uh, several fantastic songs over the course <laughs> of our time together. So, let's move on to first world blues. Harmonized guitar riff happening in this? Oh, yeah. Who's doing that? Is it just you? I sort of think of the division of guitar labor in the band as I'm on the guitar harmonies and Carlin's on the guitar solos. Oh, is that right? So most of the harmony stuff are little tidbits that I that I worked on. Um, but that's counter counterbalanced by her phenomenal guitar soloing. Hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's a, that's a, this is a rock song. So that's, I Total guess the, the, fierce. the first yeah. guitar harmony of several on the record. Yeah, yeah, yeah there's a number of guitar and, and allusions. We're going to get to a song that alludes to uh, things that a guitar might do with a certain appliance in a moment. But yeah. what is, uh, I wonder which one that's going to be. It's coming up very soon for those keeping track at home. What does the term first world blues mean to you, Simone, if, uh, any, if anything? If anything. First world blues is, uh, to me, about perspective uh yep and there was the kind of hashtag first world problems there for a while exactly yeah, yeah. so you got your first world blues yeah just problems are still problems but there's a bigger picture maybe. max i think that you and meg mm. tend to talk about being artists and you tend to and what that can be like i think you're you're not afraid to relate and push back against people who make certain presumptions about your work and okay. your art. Is that, am I wrong? I think that's fair to say. I think I've seen you do this on Twitter. I've seen you kind of question when people are assessing your stuff. There's a couple of things here going on in this song. In the first verse, um, Meg says, "What or Meg writes, rather, what am I worth? What would you guess I'm worth? I must have a price, and I'm well aware that the better I do, the higher the price. This reminds me of a mm-hmm. band or an artist starting out small mm-hmm. and then things external to them happen that elevate them mm-hmm. you know a song is appreciated by more people than it was initially yeah. and there's this thing just kind of happens to them and their lives their lives change it's often uh manifests itself in uh, a payday mm-hmm. so that's what and then as i go through this song it's, it's a lot about artistic worth mm. but i think i also hear this sense of like almost an acknowledgement of of what are people complaining about exactly when they are making music or what when they have the hmm. uh, ability to express themselves right. so it's a, i'm i'm confused about it on that level and i've framed it maybe in a confusing way where i think it's very admirable right. that the two of you have a sense of being outspoken about your lot mm-hmm. in life as choosing to be artists and and what gets uh, 
what comes your way as a result. Right. But also, I think this is like a little like, why am I, why am I sort of worried about that? Right. <laughs> Do you have any perspective on that? Um, I I guess that's an interesting reading of it. I hadn't. Uh, I think I've just I've read the song a little bit more broadly as being sort of an indictment of the horror of capitalism more broadly than being inside of a of a band. I see. Thing. Okay. Um, but I think it's interesting to suggest that even within a creative pursuit, there is actually no escape from the sort of gravity of the economy. Yes. Um, and so I think it's uh, apt that you interpreted it within that kind of more narrow uh, yeah. framework. Yeah. I just, uh, I'm well aware that the better I do, the higher the price just reminds me of, because I've been on sort of other sides of the music industry where I've mm-hmm. been a band and I've been trying to book a band and mm-hmm. you book a band and they and they're like great thanks you know and you're maybe you give them a couple hundred mm-hmm. bucks if that's what you made at the door and then something happens and there's no way they're going to do that again yeah well they price they you get priced out yeah i think um hierarchies are impossible to escape and yes have this notion that being yeah. in a band is sort of uh a way to sort of thumb your nose at those structures but the longer you do it, the realize the you know the longer you do it, um, the more you realize that it actually isn't an escape from those problems. Um, yeah, you actually create a little infrastructure. Yeah, the better you do. Yeah, and I think that's a weird thing <laughs> for a rebellious artists to suddenly be like, talk to my manager, talk to my booking agent. Mm-hmm. I can't deal with you now, because uh, I've had that too, right? Yeah. And I, I don't necessarily begrudge it, but I also am. I only begrudge it because so many other artists are like. Yeah, no, here you go. Here's an email from me mm-hmm. directly. You don't have to talk to anyone else. And yes, I can maybe do that. You know, like, mm-hmm. then you're like, oh, like, <laughs> I mean, I've had so many great encounters with people who, despite their hugeness, if you will, are down-to-earth people. And then you have the kind of mid-level people who are like, I can't I can't do that anymore. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't. I know you helped me back. In the... Anyway, that's my weird perspective mm-hmm. on this and trying to treat people well. I don't know. Simone, do you yeah. have something to say? I don't I think it's interesting. I think there are like there are a lot of uh, where you're like your perspective, where you're coming from. That is a very valid thing to say, and you know y- you reflect on the change and how it affects you. But I also th- think and know it's like it's also sad because like the structure in place in the music industry is the fact of the the f- the fact is if you don't have a booking agent or you don't have a manager that are the people that are gone through. You're all. You're gonna remain at a level. Yeah. Like you'll never make that next you're step. You're not taken and it's seriously. Like, you know, you can go and play a festival and book it yourself without a booking agent. Fill out the same room as another band who has a guarantee much much larger than yours, but yeah. has a booking agent, so it's booked it. Who won't necessarily fill the room? Sure. Who will get? You know what I mean? Like it's. I'm not. It's, a, it's I'm a, not even it's offended. A, I'm not offended. I'm not saying no, this I mean, as a yeah. yeah I, I nor think, am I. No, I'm just saying. I think yeah. they're like. Uh, I think there is a middle, or there is a external factor that doesn't get acknowledged in that interpretation of it. Yeah. That it's like. You got to play the game to stay in it. Yeah. In a way. You got to be in it to win it. And, well, yeah, but also, like, you cannot, but you will forever remain at a bit of a dwindling. Yeah. Level. Well, the, I mean, the arts economy at, at large sort of reflects society and the fact that there isn't really a middle class or it's completely eroded. It's like either you are yes, yeah. that's successful right. Yes. Yeah. And you're rolling in it, or you literally have no resources to pursue your aims. Whenever I hear, um, 
particularly it seems to be American politicians who invoke this phrase of people having to work multiple jobs to mm-hmm. make ends meet. I think of bands all oh the time. God. Yeah, of course. Everyone is in six bands now. Well, everyone's in six of, bands with a part-time jo- with a job oh, as yeah, well. Of a, course. Whatever they can do. I yeah. think that's in part because, you know, different itches are being scratched by being in all these bands, but I think that there is a, a part of it too where people are like, well, which one of these is going to yeah. sure. take me to Europe? Yeah. You know, which, or, Who has a better smoke and mirrors? <laughs> <laughs> but the, I think within that, I think musicians like to play. Of course. Yes. You know, of course. Um, I don't necessarily think it's... Uh, I'm not begrudging anyone. I'm, no, I'm, I'm, I'm involved in like four or five sure. different bands. Simone, so you're in yeah. how many bands? A, a bunch. 17. Yeah, yeah, yeah a lot. Yeah. yeah. Drummer for hire, best one you can find. You are an amazing <laughs> best one yeah. anyone can find, yeah. I agree. Okay, anything more to say about uh, about that song? You feel okay about uh, it? Did we leave it in an okay well, place? I, I don't. Yeah, I would like to say that Amanda sings that one, and she sings the hell out of it. Okay. That's like a performance that is one of my favorite moments on the record, personally. I don't want to yeah. misconstrue First World Blues. Good. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Do you want to say anything more, Max? I can feel something. No, no, I'm, I'm feeling good about okay, it. Okay, you feeling Just good? that, yeah, Amanda sings that track. And we have a song sung by Carlin coming up here, too. And unfortunately, those are the only two songs that are not sung by Meg or I. But I think that is something that will shift on does the Does Amanda album. sing First World Blues front to back? She does. Yeah. And oh. those guys are all over there uh, with some of the uh, vocal arrangements. But yeah. those are the only two tracks where they sing lead. Okay. Lead, yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's an, that's an amazing performance. Yeah, um. absolutely. Okay, we move on now to a song called uh, Wawa. <laughs> Tattoo that says Wawa. I do. What's your uh, What's your relationship like with Wawas? Wawa pedals, I assume. Oh man, you fell yeah. hard. Uh, I fell hard. I th- it's they're the most expressive effect that there is. So it's it's an ode. This whole song, I think, is an ode to a pedal. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Yeah. I don't think I feel I've known you for a very long time. I've known you very well for a very long time. And when you like you when you get into something, you're like it becomes part of who you are mm. for sure. And, like, that's just, like, part of your personality. You really, really are passionate about the things that you're passionate about. And that changes all the time what those things are. And it's very interesting. Uh, but definitely, like, I feel like you, like, really dove headfirst into the wah-wah world. Yeah. <laughs> Can you wah-wah for dummies us right now? Because some people will be like, I don't know what a wah-wah pedal is. Um, a wah-wah pedal is a effect um, that you will run the signal of your instrument through primarily guitar and uh, it is an expression pedal so as you um, press your foot down uh, it shifts the EQ filter of the guitar signal so it'll become more shrill sounding um, as you move your foot right um, which kind of creates a sort of cartoon cartoon like effect um, of making the guitar appear to sort of 
talk or uh yeah who would have I, I mean who would have been when when was when was this first kind of in vogue who would have made this popular i think, I think hendrix hendrix did it on voodoo child is that a voodoo child Oh, man. <laughs> I don't. It? I don't know what the first yeah, I'm track just would be. So you're actually kind of exposing me. Oh, sorry. <laughs> a bit. I just think of that one as like, oh, like because yeah. it, it's. Do you know that song? It's oh, like it starts with this processed guitar, yeah. if you will. And yeah. I, I, I could be wrong. It might not even be on that song. But I always associate a wah wah pedal with that, mm-hmm. that intro, and then as the song gets going. Yeah. 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 Um, also. Great bass players in history are big on Wawa. Wawa is big for bass players. Yeah, right? funk music in yeah. general. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now, now, I will say, so uh, for people who can spend time uh, poring over the lyrics of this, it's very simple. You are, It's a love letter to the Wawa pedal. Mm-hmm. And it's also, I think, I asked you to do that explanation because I think you right here, I can't explain the yeah. foot's connection to the brain. And at one point, you want to see, then take a look below. It's like, it's it's sort yeah. of instructive. Do you, people come up to you and be like, hey, how'd you do that thing with your guitar? Um, I think it's sort of wishful. Oh. <laughs> Again, Meg wrote the lyrics inspired uh, okay. by my sort of okay. condition of falling in love with the Wawa effect. But Are you familiar with a, a song by George Harrison called Wawa? Oh, yeah. From All Things Must Pass. Mm-hmm. Is there any connection there? Um, no. Other than those songs are sort of duking it out for wah-wah supremacy. I always thought his song was about Paul McCartney. Like wah-wah sort of well, thing? Well, wah-wah, but the, the thing is, uh, what's the lyric? Wah-wah, you're giving me a... No, wait, is it Mama, you're giving me a wah-wah? I think wah-wah was a headache oh, okay. to him. And I, I think that uh, you made me such a big star. I kind of feel like... I, maybe I'm wrong. Again, right. but I'm pretty sure you that love lyrics, don't you? I'm a lyric guy, <laughs> but I also think I saw Wawa, and then yeah, even yeah. the chorus reminded, me, and it has a sonic. I I can hear because I've connected it in my brain. I can kind of hear a sonic connection to mm-hmm. the to the Harrison song. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I don't want to. I'm not prepared to delve into what George Harrison intended there, but was that an influence? I don't think particularly. You named no. the song the same thing. I mean, how many times has that happened in history? Yeah, just the once. <laughs> Just the one With time. With this song. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Just the yeah. one time. Okay. Yeah. All right. We're going to move on to, this is a very fascinating song, Strawberry Milk. come from the basement apartment that uh Meg and i were living in oh so this is i i guess i assume this was like an ice cream driven song uh initially but mm-hmm. this is your synthesized stuff we needed a ballad for the record hmm. and so i kind of came up with a loose arrangement ryan reynolds here from Mint mobile with the price of just about everything going up during inflation we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. At home, um, just use, using a synthesizer and a DI'd guitar and, um, and a drum machine initially. And this song actually is sort of what held the record up because it went through a number of sort of variations and mixes and remixes. And then right. we, we tracked a bunch of orchestral elements. And, but kind of interestingly, the, the structure of it, of having the sort of electronic synthetic fanfare at the head of it, and then a sort of uh, atmospheric middle section um, uh, that sort of embodies the, the bulk of the song and then having a rock outro yeah. sort of remain from that uh, early home recording. Right. And and do you have any insight as to where this was coming from, from Meg's perspective uh, in any way? Because it's some weird... It's haunting. It's very chilling mm-hmm. in some ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a red rose confession, having powder, having salt. What does that mean? It scares me. <laughs> I'm slightly frightened by this. Yeah, I mean, I think this is some of the finest lyric stuff that Meg has done this song. I'm actually like most proud of this song. Yeah. Of uh, almost any song that I've, that I've worked on. Um, and part of it is just what the lyrics do to you. Uh, it's sort of akin to what the, the record cover does, I think, which is just sort of do you mean me specifically? Well, I'm hoping so. <laughs> when you just, say you, you mean the listener. Yeah, I think yeah. the listener. Yeah. It sort of um, it stimulates the mind in a way that is sort of abstract on the surface, uh, but I think it has a sort of ambiguous quality where it can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Okay. There's a, I keep hammering the, the, the Beatles nail, but uh, obviously this one... Uh, so what have I mentioned? I mentioned Sgt. Pepper. I mentioned mm-hmm. George Harrison now. Uh, this one invokes uh, Forced to Run Through Strawberry Fields. It almost sounds like a diss. Mm. <laughs> and uh, and then there, within the same verse, uh, I noticed that uh, that's, the wor- last wors- that's the last words I heard she said, she said. Mm-hmm. There's a she said, she said reference. Yeah, that's true. I, I, I know I can't speak as much for Carlin and Amanda, but I know that Simone, Meg, and I all have Beatlemania. Right. So you see where I'm coming from yeah. in my detective work here? It's I pretty just, impressive. I actually think there's a lot. I mean, the Strawberry Fields thing. I mean, that's, what else could that be? Yeah. Well, I think that era of the Beatles, um, a lot of those songs were sort of little mini conceptual art set pieces. Yes, of course. I think that's exactly what we were trying to do with this song, which is just takes take someone on a journey that almost takes on a visual quality, even though... Which sounds sort of paradoxical because it's obviously yeah. an audio uh, product. Psychedelic rock often gets associated with uh, like a cinematic experience for mm-hmm. the listener, doesn't yeah. it? Like it's this notion of the music is so vivid that you can almost see something, mm-hmm. Wh- mm-hmm. whatever that is, whatever your mind is willing to expand to. Yes. So I feel like this song definitely like if 
Q107 in Toronto was smart, they'd be <laughs> blasting this song every psych. Do they still do Psychedelic Sunday? They do, but they play it's, like Taking Care of Business. Yeah, it's not what? the same as they it really used to Taking be. Care of Business. They have a pretty broad uh, definition of yeah. what psychedelic is. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, this song is it is gorgeous, and you have, a, you have every right to be proud of it. Um, Simone, I, I didn't mean to uh, leave you out of this conversation. No, do you, do you, I don't mind. Do you have I'm any? used to it. <laughs> the the first half, uh, I would say, uh, if if we if we divide this into parts, not a lot for you to do. Yeah. Is that how does this manifest itself live? Uh, oh, it, doesn't. it hasn't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You haven't yeah. played this one live at all. No, no. absolutely not. not. This is like a little mini opera. I don't yeah, think yeah. we can uh, pull it off live. Yeah. I think we got really stoned once and talked about it, but. Yeah, I think that's all it was, and I think that may be all it will be. Do you remember the conversation? Oh, you got no. t- you you got stoned and talked about what you may might ha- do. Like, like, would it be cool if we did, could do this? Right, but I, don't I know. wouldn't want it to be like press play on the iPod. Yeah, Let's exactly. Get this song on the tracks <laughs> yeah. here. It'd be like maybe when we're playing Massey Hall. Yeah, it'd be cool. The, you know, we got the string section out. Mm-hmm. It's great. Yeah. It's wonderful. In the beginning, there was all sin. Mm-hmm. What is that? Well, mm-hmm. the song's about Eve. Right, right. What about Eve? I would be speculating. It's all about Eve? Is that what you just said? Did you mean to do that? No, I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I think we'll leave it. uh, Does Meg have a particular uh, interest, would you say, in um, sort of biblical stories, parables? Um, I think anyone who's like a serious lyricist probably does. Yeah? I think that's where it stems from for a lot of folks. This notion of um, songwriting is maybe a, a... huge but perfect storytelling exercise this notion of this ultimate beginning middle and an end kind of thing does that relate do you relate to that as a songwriter yourself trying to tell a story um i mean that's what the bible yeah. kind of stuff is it's like here's how once upon a time this is literally how things really started mm-hmm. and then there's a whole bunch of weird stuff happened yeah. and now we all believe it or some people believe it yeah into the fiber of their every, every fiber of their being i just wonder if uh i just see it more as the power of symbols yeah and when sure. you boil symbols down uh to something sort of essential yeah. um they can have a sort of ambiguous power for people as we alluded to earlier, the yeah. first half of the song doesn't have any symbols because Simone's not on it. Oh. I went there. Oh, Can I get good. a rim shot there? No. Yeah. Okay. We're going to move on to Technicolor Surround. The song is describing uh, the sensation of synesthesia. How so? Uh, being able to visualize sound. Yeah, technicolor surround mm-hmm. sound, mm-hmm. right? Is that? Mm-hmm. Well, except, no, wait. Yeah, that's what it is. It's a com- Technicolor was this film innovation mm. right. where things suddenly seemed amazing mm. and bright and beautiful. And uh, surround sound is supposed to be the uh, sonic equivalent mm-hmm. of that, right? So, well, is it doubling down then? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's well, really is- staking a claim on... <laughs> A certain amount of power in terms of sensory uh, yeah. overload. 
I think this is sort of making explicit the connection that you're talking about within psych rock. Uh, yes, where it's seeking to to make an audio experience sort of visual right. or present in some other way, other than just being aware of it audibly. Do you uh, um, did, did Tropics start out uh, making a kind of psych rock? Ah. Uh, I, I mean, like may, maybe without realizing it, potentially. I think what was psychedelic about it was that we were young kids just pursuing something without a lot of technical facility necessarily, or at least that, that was where I was coming from. Simone has always been a very technically proficient drummer, but yeah. didn't really know what I was doing on the guitar or with the singing or, or the lyrics, but was doing it anyways. Um, that's kind of more punk than it is psychedelic. Yeah. But it's sort of like psychedelic in the sense that the shags are sort of psychedelic. No, I think, I mean, the, the one aspect of psychedelic is opening your mind to possibilities, mm-hmm. if I may be reductive about it. Yeah. And I think when you pick up an instrument and just try to generate sounds out of it without a clear path or mm-hmm. pattern, what could be, I mean, it's, I think there's a connection between punk rock and mind expansion. Yeah, and yeah for sure. Psychedelics. The songs that we were writing in Tropics were just based purely on how they sounded to us. It wasn't. Right didn't have a a greater conception of like chord theory or song structural theory things like this it was a lot of uh you'd make a really cool part and then i try to do something that was better than it yeah that was that was the basis for writing relationships so it's fascinating that you you kind of invoke that competition again because there's a boastful aspect to this song the the final uh lyrics are baby don't be jealous of my technicolor surround sound Mm -hmm. It's just sort of a sense of like, yeah, I know what I'm doing, you mm-hmm. know, or whoever the narrator in this song mm-hmm. is. Is this an empowering thing for Meg and for you? Well, um, I suppose there is sort of like an envy that can crop up where it concerns uh, imaginative people. Yeah. I certainly feel that way about uh, certain artists. I'm envious of the way they conceive of the world. Right. Um, so perhaps it's encouraging people just to deal with it. <laughs> Talk to the hand. Sure. I see the world in a special way. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, it's another brilliant psych rock song, if I might say. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, we move on to uh, National Security, which has a, a certain amount of, I don't know, it's like, it seems very paranoid lyrically. Max, did you have, is this Meg's voice then, basically, lyrical voice? Here? It is. But do you, you're the one singing it. Yes. Do you relate to what's going on here, per se? <laughs> Not particularly. Uh, there's a reference to the FBI, so I think this is definitely coming from an American perspective. Right, Americans, uh, Meg's, I, Meg's I American do, perspective. Yeah, yeah, I do feel that Meg being an American sort of lends a legitimacy to our rock and roll initiative, <laughs> which is sort of interesting being that uh, rock and roll is sort of an American yeah. art form, um, primarily. Uh, I think she, she wrote this song after we watched the first season of Homeland. Oh, I think that's where it's coming from. But wonder if you uh, 
as songwriters, as artists, are trying to take matters such as those that might be discussed in terms of national security mm-hmm. and applying them to the rock and roll paradigm. So, right. like I was saying earlier about where I was trying to get at this first world blues notion, I mean, I think that song could be quite universal, mm-hmm. and I wondered if there was a universality to national security. You may have to die for national security. Uh, and then there's the line here, just don't show you're scared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we live in a very pensive time, mm-hmm. and uh, we're... The people who are in power across the world, in many cases, are not very se- pensive. <laughs> they seem rash. Uh, they s- it feels like anything could happen. You hear more mm. and more stories of people being subjected to um, obviously police brutality. Mm. Uh, people are held mm. for no apparent reason. Uh, mm. I've heard of s- stories of Canadians who have been outspoken about the American government mm. being told they can't. Come in. You know, you, you have to actually wipe. They tell you wipe your phone mm-hmm. before you cross the border now, mm-hmm. yeah. so that if you've been critical of people uh, in, in America, that you, it's not there. I mean, that's that's crazy. That's like a, that's the it's most scary, intense and scary thing that we can imagine. So I hear all that in this song. Yeah, no, I think that's a fair reading of it. Um, I think that is what Meg is addressing with this song, but using the sort of crass uh symbolism of a tv show sure. um but i think yeah it, it, i hope that it has a sort of broader universality that might speak to uh experiences that are uh toxic yeah uh, generally i yeah. mean not in the life or death security freedom things i mean it could be office politics it could be whatever right. yeah yeah okay anything you want to say about it musically i think this is the first song that we wrote together for this project yeah. Just maybe that's. Do you remember? No. <laughs> I'm tr- I was trying to remember because I know the last, the last Technicolor. I was like, oh, I remember when we wrote that. We wrote mm-hmm. that in New Mexico. Because I remember you doing Wrote little... and tracked it in, yeah. in New Mexico. This is yeah. reaching back to the last song. But this you, is, yeah, this you is like... lived in New Mexico for. Uh, we didn't live there, but Simone, Meg, and I took a writing trip there. We've taken two writing trips there. Yeah. Um, did you rent a, you rented a house or something? Well, we were like house sitting. Oh, you're house sitting. Yeah. That's yeah. what it was. Yeah, yeah. And then we. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Same thing. Same thing the next time, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's yeah. I, and is that where we did? Where do we do? Where do we do this one? Do you remember? <laughs> you remember? <laughs> I don't know. One, so many songs, you know. I know. Yeah, I know. It's yeah. so many bands. It's hard to yeah, keep track. Yeah. I just wonder. Yeah. Technicolor, Surround, and Strawberry Milk are the only two songs that we didn't track uh, in Toronto. Mm-hmm. Okay. At Union, uh, is it Union, Union Sound or yeah. Union Studio? I don't Union know. Sound. Union Sound. So I believe, this, was, yeah. this was tracked with the bulk of the other songs at uh, Union. Okay. Where did we write? When did we write this? Mm, early days. Whatever it was. Twenty. 2014. Okay. Simone, you're a band. You're in many bands that travel. I'm a band. You are a band. Yes. You are in many bands that travel. Yes. Do you feel weird traveling? Do you go to the States much? Yes. How do you feel? I don't love it. I mean, I love the States, but I don't like crossing the border. It's very strange, isn't it, right now? Yeah. I mean, we went actually to the last time we were leaving New Mexico, we were flying out the day of the election, and it was funny. We were going through the airport in Albuquerque, and um, an attendant working, working at security actually made a joke. Uh, they were like, well, it's a good thing you're getting out now. Mm. And that wow. was like pretty jarring. That's like really stuck with me um, for sure. It's a, it's a definitely a very tr- – a border is a trying thing at any point. Yeah, that's exactly. Um, it's never been easy. No. The Canadian-American border. Yeah, yeah so the, yeah. Bo- the border's trying. The concept of borders is trying. The concept of kind of like North America in general, like the two countries, is trying. Um, 
and that's never really changed, but it's definitely maybe a bit scarier right now, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh, just in general, even traveling around, it feels different. It's less comfortable. Yeah, I, I, I'm not smart enough to break this down. I feel like there's an overarching evilness. Yes. That is going to create uh, so much. It's creating so much anxiety yes. among people that I think uh, it's. Uh, yeah, I, the day after the last American election, and this is interesting, like this is a perspective of a Canadian, but of somebody who does go to the States quite often, like I was so anxious. Like all, like I yeah. remember waking up in the middle of the night because I was like, I don't want to watch the results. I'm just going to go to sleep. And I remember waking up in the middle of the night and being like, okay, I should check my phone and checking my phone and being like, okay, that guy won. And just like the whole next day, like just staying in bed being like, it really hit me in a way that uh, I've always been like pretty critical of uh, world politics and stuff like that, but I've never been made so depressed. Yeah. Um, and then it was like, there was that scare after he took office, there was that scary few weeks where he kept doing those, um, like repeals and then signing new yeah, things. Yeah. And, and it was just like, it was so, it just felt like, like tacky. And like, it really did feel like you were watching a movie, movie adaptation of, yeah. of 1984, like the presenting the signature and all that stuff. And it was just like the, that's the, this is one of the, the closest to home, like first times where it's just been like actually really anxiety inducing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate your perspective on it and being open about that. Yeah, I mean, I, sure. I've talked to a lot of people who are going through that, and uh, there's part of that in the song. I think there's there's something going on, so I appreciate that. We're going to move on to a song. Speaking of um, weird characters and, and uh, maybe some fakery and some phoniness, Pete Rose Boogie. This is a vitriolic song. Lyrically, I have to say, I know, Simone, you've gone my case about getting so involved in the lyrics. I mean. But this one, I I wrote here, who inspired this diss track? Because it is a diss track, I think. Um, Pete Rose. The actual P- Pete Rose, fake eyelashes, but you can't fake IQ, babe. So, Your book is just a cover. There's nothing to discover. Okay. Uh, Pete Rose is a cat that lives in New Mexico. What? Yeah, that's right. What? Yeah. Not the baseball player. No, it's a a cat. Like a little cat? Yeah. yeah. Like a meow meow? A really yeah. good looking well, cat yeah. who like runs into walls. Yeah. So This is a song about go- a cat? Very yeah, very <laughs> good looking but very unintelligent cat. Yeah, okay. Now I s- now I see that. <laughs> yeah. What why? Why a song about a cat? Whose cat? Was it the cat you were housing? Like the yeah. house? Yeah, there cat? were yeah. there's a dog and some cats and then two dogs and some cats. I will just say sometimes this is better when you why this is why you don't read into lyrics too much. <laughs> I feel like I've always like uh, 
I've always listened to a lot of music. I've always loved music, but I've never poured over the lyrics too hard for this exact reason. I never really want to know. I'm a lyrics person. I know. I respect person. that, but I, I like just... I like having my own interpretation. No, I know. This yeah. will continue mm. to be my interpretation. Yeah. I, Good. I, <laughs> I, I, I can't help but think in these exercises I'm being um, led astray sometimes. Mm. Like I, I have a feeling. This isn't actually about Pete Rose the cat. It's about someone else. That's my feeling. <laughs> I wish this right. was like a reverse interview, well, and you could uh, we could be asking you about what no, you think I'm about kinda, the record. That's why I'm trying to do it. I'm trying like to do it. it. I'm trying to tell you where I'm coming from, so I that like it. it's not just like, "Hey, tell me what you did here." I want to be like, "Here's I like where it. I'm coming from." I think yeah. it's an indictment of the image conscious more largely. Yes, that's um, what I think. Yeah, but it was inspired by this this one cat down in New Mexico. A cat. Yeah. Okay, I'm just gonna let that go. Cool. <laughs> It's a great. It's a. By the way, another powerful uh, song. Is there anything you want to say about it as a, as a, P Rose Boogie? By the way, why is it a boogie? Mm, I don't know. We're like, <laughs> we're, we're a band that gets down with a few boogies. You get a there. blues on here and a boogie. It's, yeah, uh, we, yeah like, some, we like the boogie woogie. This is a good yeah. exhibit for some guitar harmonies. This track. I'm yes. Yeah. Yes. Fantastic. Actually. Yeah. Dennis Pasley on the oh, saxophone yeah. as well. Dennis Pasley, Toronto person. Yeah. yeah. Do I know Dennis Pasley? He plays with all kinds of people. Yeah. I don't want to. I think it's always shifting who he plays oh, with. I, see. So I don't okay. want to misrepresent him, but he's a very talented saxophone player. There will be some people who listen to your record and think, "Oh, that's like some '70s psych rock thing." I mean, good lord, Max, you've gone through this in almost every iteration of whatever you've done. Someone, mm-hmm. some idiot like me, even maybe, will say, "Oh, it's from a certain era. He mm-hmm. seems to be conjuring this and that." Mm-hmm. Uh, are you concerned about this and? I know you've, you've, you're seasoned now, so you're probably used to it. But Well, I think that for me, the crux of this band is um, about adopting a sort of energy that is mm. uh, rock and roll. And to me, that means Alice Cooper or Thin Lizzy or Judas Priest or Black Sabbath. And it's like throughout throughout time. Yeah. You, you could st- going back to the 50s, 60s. Um, and what I like about this band is that we're able to sort of refract all of those uh, energies and uh, different sort of iterations of something that is rock and roll yeah. uh, and sort of refract it through a different prism. Because, you know, th- thinking about hierarchies within music, the, a kind of commonality between all those bands that I referenced is a very male yes. image uh, and energy. And I think there's something fun about subverting that aspect of it right um i think simone could probably speak a little bit more directly to that um as i am the sole uh connection between that sort of masculine thing um and rock and roll previously with the brand of rock and roll that we do now yeah before you say that simone though is is that an intentional configuration decision that was made do you think for darlene shrug or was it just the fact that you were you were friends yeah 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 friends and yeah, it's you know. These were the people we wanted to yeah, play with. Yeah, you, you don't, you don't hear gender. You know, it's like these are the musicians that made the most sense for the project. Do you deal with? Um, uh, this is going to be a dumb question because I think <laughs> I know the answer. Do you have to deal with a lot of shit? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Yeah, and I hate to say it like that, but it's, of course, like all the time. Yeah. Yeah. It's not getting I, better. Um, no, honestly, no. It's not getting better. Uh, no, I think there's definitely like. People are talking about it more, which I guess you could see it as getting better. But it's like, to me, the fact that I still have this conversation, I still have so many different conversations. I'm like, it's not, I don't even, I don't, yeah, I don't see it as better. Better's not acceptable to me until it's like yeah. not a non-issue until I don't have to have this conversation. 
until it actually doesn't matter, it's not better. Right. That's fair. I, I guess it's the bubble syndrome again. Uh, I think um, being a dude in a independent music or arts bubble, yeah. I think I'm somewhat uh, shielded from... I, when I talk to women, uh, young women in particular, about these kinds of things, I'm shocked yeah. by it. I'm, I'm also a- just like very distrusting as like maybe like it's kind of always been a bit of my personality and like I'm a little distrusting in a sense of people being like, oh, okay, it's okay, more female-fronted bands, this is fine. Like, that's 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 the huh. that's the kind of, everybody's like, gotta have a, like, all the, a lot of dudes I know and people in music are like, gotta have a female-fronted band for a show. Like, that's good. And it's like, it is good, but when it's a calculated decision, yes. it's still frustrating and it's still, like, as, like, a female instrumentalist and, like, a somebody who plays, like, something that would not necessarily be defined as the most feminine of instruments, it's like... I don't know. It's a whole different thing, and it hasn't gotten any better to me. Yeah, I, I guess I, I, I only hang my hat on the fact that, like you said, more people are talking about stuff, yes. um, and it's forcing my, it's forcing me to, and and other people like me to just look at the way we've behaved. I think. Yeah. Because I just I, find it heartbreaking that even using the word forced, like. Everybody's forced into talking. Did about I say it. forced? Yeah, I didn't mean it. Right. I, 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 but I, okay, I, I only, okay. Yeah. Let but, me. but that's what kind of what I mean. Like even like the way people talk about it is, it's, I'm just like, it still feels like they feel like they have to talk about it. Yeah, and that to me is upsetting. Kind of. I think that's fair. Um, totally. I, yeah. I guess, um, I'm, I've been surprised by how people have actually responded to it. Uh, for men in particular, on mm-hmm. some level, I think. Like I say, I think for me, I just sort of thought I wasn't part of that stuff. And then mm-hmm. sometimes I'm like, well, geez, actually, I probably was a bit condescending or I probably did exert some mm-hmm. of my male power, if you will, mm-hmm. in certain mm-hmm. circumstances. And I think that's good if you're self-aware about mm-hmm. that stuff. Yeah, and, totally. and and I think that historically, the more people talk about such things, the more change is affected right again like i don't think like things are getting worse i don't think it's bad but i'm just not gonna i can't i can't concede to better because it's not good enough for me no fine that's i totally agree with you actually yeah Yeah. okay well i appreciate your perspective there um we're gonna move on let's move on yeah i have your rad guitar rocker where's your brother this song do you know where this song came from um no you know blank slate i'm gonna go with no on this one because you don't want to speak on behalf of meg yeah okay yeah okay Okay. it's a personal song yeah very personal song okay so i am struck by this on a on a band level i guess or as a collective uh product never leave a brother behind uh 
what are you doing leaving your brother behind? I mean, for me, I, I hear loyalty and, and things like that. And I mean, just talking about your dynamic, you two, mm-hmm. I mean, you've been friends for such a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, I gather that loyalty and trust are, I mean, it seems silly to say loyalty and trust must be important to you. But mm-hmm. yeah. like like uh, Simone was just saying, I think when you live in bubbles, you sometimes take the basic things for granted. Mm-hmm. And uh, like treating people, everyone the same and mm-hmm. respectfully and, and all that sort of stuff. So I guess that's my sense of things. It's just mm-hmm. that there seems to be this through line between your work together and then mm-hmm. the people you brought yeah, in to work with you of this sense of like we are bonded yeah. and word is bond and we need to work together and we're a unit. Definitely. Yeah, I think this band is a reflection of uh, primarily our friendship friendship that we've had for since we were 13 years old uh, I think the energy that the two of us are trying to bring to it is uh, a reflection of that dynamic yeah. so and it's one that I think we've been upfront about as being something that is fraught at times um, and I think there's a sort of anxious energy that is conveyed at times within our collaboration combustible combustible yep. yeah um, but also one that has been I don't know, a force for change, at least for me. Um, And I hope that this record kind of touches on a lot of different styles and um, ideas for for, uh, guitar and drum-based music. Um, And that's not to block out the contributions of the other folks in this band, and I think that that they would say the same thing, Yeah, that uh, the foundation of it is a project that Simone and I started which was collaborating on music years and years ago yeah, yeah. I mean, and um what the other folks bring to it is sort of what enhances what enhances it or blows it up right it's like everything we've ever worked on is to me has always started off or conti- work work been worked out as a musical conversation whether that's like a rational conversation or an, conversation or an argument like it's always a musical conversation of s- some sort and I feel like even continuing now it's like we start a conversation um, and then you know we both have our opinions on it and we bring in other people to make it a larger conversation yeah I can see that mm-hmm. I yeah. feel like that's how it's always kind of been with us okay and in terms of in terms of loyalty um, for sure I mean Max Max mentioned that we were both Leos and that's other than being very feisty that's definitely a trait that has always been pointed out by those around us with one another. Loyalty. Um, yeah. Even when, like, I think we've, like, really disliked each other, yeah. we've always remained extremely loyal to each other. Like, it's, like, one of those things where it's, like, you know, I could be, like, you suck, but if somebody else, like, if you were to tell him that he sucked, I would jump over the table and tackle you, you know? I understand that, and please don't. Don't you dare. I yeah, do yeah, Don't say anything I'm, about this I guy. I <laughs> never said you sucked. I've only said great things. I said nice things. Have you two ever broken up? You say there's tension. You say you've fought and fraught, and there's been some fraught energy. Have you ever like been like, no, forget it. I'm done with you. That's it. I don't think it's ever been a thing where we each felt that we wouldn't resume the collaboration. But I, I for me, anyways, like tropics, like I felt that we had exhausted it. That we had done everything that we could do as a duo, um, explicitly. And so this band was sort of something that bloomed out of an exhaustion that I had, yeah. which is like, uh, you know, you can have a positive association with feeling exhausted by something, but um, there's also sort of an, that's sort of an ending as well. Yeah, sure. Um, so I can relate to that feeling of something 
feeling completed. Yeah. But um, for whatever reason, this collaboration has remained something fertile. Yeah. And I think the, the loyalty is, is uh, reflected in the, in the fact that um, when we did face a period of exhaustion, we sought to shift the circumstance so that it could continue. Right. Yeah. I feel like the music's never hard. You know what I mean? Like, that's never the part that's hard. I think you have a long... You're, is it fair to say you have, like, a sibling dynamic? Is that too... Is that weird? No, that's not That's, not that's not how no. I conceive of yeah. it, but, I, like, I no, think that's I mean, a fair yeah. interpretation. Yeah. Well, I, I, yeah. I want to say that it sounds familial. Yes. And yeah. that's where I'm going with it. Yes. Yeah. Because that tension... Like, I have that tension with my sister. The, yeah, yeah. yeah, the loyalty that I feel for Simone is one that I feel only for my family members. Yes, exactly. Yeah. That's what yeah. I mean. Yeah. yeah. And so... That's where I would take. Yeah, yeah. I'm, this is not supposed to be a session. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Some kind of therapy yeah. thing, you know. I'm Who just paid saying. You to do this? <laughs> <laughs> it's not an intervention yeah, by yeah. any means. Yeah, you're about uh, seven years too late <laughs> on that one, buddy. <laughs> I was too busy reading lyrics. Yeah. yeah. I should have been scheduling uh, sessions. Yeah. We move on to uh, what I believe is the final song on the record. It's called "Freedom Comes in a Plastic Card." talking about um, rock and roll motifs mm-hmm. that come up and uh, this is <laughs> this is a big rock song uh, almost with the spirit of like I can't drive 55 or something mm-hmm. by Sammy Hagar I'm not saying it sounds like mm-hmm. it it's a much better song than that one if you ask me but this notion of you know let's get on the road let's go you know yeah. that kind of born yeah. to be wild maybe I don't know is that where this stems from you yeah think? absolutely yeah i started trying to get my license when i was 18 years old and i got my g two weeks ago so oh congratulations thank you very much that was like you know an 11 year process that was very fraught for me at times i was at the the whatever the ministry of transport we have here in canada i was there the day i turned 16 yeah i was ready to drive where'd you grow up though cambridge there you go but i was also uh I don't know. I, it was before all the graduated. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was nothing like that. You just yeah. they let any idiot drive a car, which nice. was crazy. But yeah, I went and I because I just could not. I would pretend books were steering wheels when oh, I was that's a kid. So cute. Yeah, I was a cute little kid. <laughs> yeah, sounds like. And it. I just loved. I think I thought cars were freedom. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wanted to go to all the good record stores, and yeah. so we used to bike to Kitchener and Water. I, I grew up in Cambridge. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really there culturally, so we had to go to Kitchener, Waterloo, Toronto, these mm-hmm. kinds of places. So I couldn't wait to get a car. Yeah. You waited a long time. I mean, you're, you're a Toronto guy, though. Yeah, I mean, my family didn't have a car until I was maybe 13 or right, something like that. Right. So it wasn't part of the culture of my family, for one thing. Um, but then, yeah, when I was 18, I was wanting to go on tour and did go on tour, but just got other people to drive. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was sort of a long, drawn-out process. But when I got my G2, which was like six, seven years ago, I just remember the feeling of, like, 
freedom that I had from being able to take a car and do what I wanted. And that freedom was sort of um, symbolized by the idea of being able to drive to McDonald's and get a milkshake. Sure. Right. Basically. But you talk about getting a milkshake. A shake is what I want. Or not you. Is this a Meg? Yeah, this is a Meg. But, you know, I was like, I want It seems like it it might be based on a conversation you two had. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Um, And the plastic card? Is that the license? Yeah. All right, I cracked that one. That one was simple. That one was super simple. And and that's a classic rock motif. Yeah. Beach Boys, you know, whatever. Jan and Dean, the car, car culture, kind of Bruce Springsteen. I'm just dropping names here. Yeah. But that's that's just something you felt uh, in touch with a little bit in this Yeah, band. for sure. Yeah. Um you have the ability to make up your own your own mind, I think is one of the lyrics in that song. There's something about cars throughout the record though. Like if we go back to Inherit the Wind, I mean this the backseat of her past. Mm-hmm. This it's notion of being the American a, point of view. That's right. It's that's like right. completely removable Ca- from American culture. Cuz that's the big American invention really. Like yeah. there's been lots of yeah. in, innovative American things, but the car I mean, car, yeah, and then jazz, car culture, yeah, culture in general is, like, massive. It's very American, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. car culture. Yeah. I'm going to an uh, electric car show. Oh, yeah. Oh. I really want an electric, fully electric car. I can That's totally new, see you in an electric car. It's my new dream. Is to, Really? What does that even mean? I don't know how to take that. You is know, that, you seem like you care about the world. I do actually kind of care know, about the I world, and I want to, and, you know, I come here to Toronto to do things like this. Yeah. It's cost me an arm and a leg, and, no, no, and no. I would have a, 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 a car that doesn't cost me anything. <laughs> Hope it's worth the money. I, well, it, it, you get a $14,000 rebate from the Ontario government right now, while this current Ontario government. True. So I kind of want to jump on it before, That's you know, something happens. Yeah. As soon as there's a Tesla van. That, that, well, this is what I, I don't want to plug them, but that's what I because yeah. I'm a family man. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that was holding me back, but I found a sizable electric car. I will nice. tell you. I don't want to plug them here. Okay. Yeah. I will tell you <laughs> we'll about, about them after. after. Yeah. I will tell you about them after. Unless they sponsor the podcast. Not. Yeah, they don't at the moment. Okay. It's all just food companies and accounting software and whatever else. But anyway, at the, the moment. The other vitals. The other vitals. Yeah. We did it. We got through the record. Uh, is there anything else you want to say about uh, this record? And this band, what's coming up next? These sorts of things. Uh, we have a release show on uh, November twenty fourth. Thank you, November twenty fourth at the Smiling Buddha in Toronto. But we're also doing a little run around that with our friends in Biblical, who are also celebrating a excellent release, yes. a city called or a record called "The City That Always Sleeps," that totally rips as well. And we'll be doing Hamilton, Montreal, Kingston, Guelph. Well, thank you. Uh, is that it? Um, I feel like there's one more. Maybe, maybe one more, but you could, you can, you know, you can find it. Darlingshrug.bandcamp.com. Yeah. yeah, is that a good place to go? Yeah, because yeah. you mostly and and the record is out on what label again? Upset, Upset the rhythm. rhythm. Ooh, Ooh, that was nice. nice. One. <laughs> <laughs> it was actually rhythmic. What? Because you had the hand clap at the end too. Yeah. That was good. Uh, what is the what is this label all about? They're uh, an awesome independent label out of London, England. Oh. Um, good people. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, they sort of just let us do whatever we wanted. They let us spot varnish the cover so that uh, oh. the colorful part of the cover is spot varnish, which um, Meg was very excited about mm-hmm. because she designed the package. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I give them two thumbs up. Okay. Yeah. Upset the rhythm. Yep. Yeah. You have to. I feel like Max... You are born to put out records with people who uh, are outside of this country. And uh, there's part of me that's proud of that, and there's part of me that's very disappointed in this country. Well, 
Uh, I am I'm all ears, and I've got new music, so if anyone's listening, they okay. are welcome to get in touch with me. They should. You're a goddamn genius, if I might say, and I appreciate this conversation very much. Is there a single song from the Darlene Shrug record that we can go out on right now? Is there one that you would pick? Um, what do you say, Simone? I would, I would pick First World Blues. I think that's my favorite song on the record, so... Why is it your favorite song on the record? It rips. As a player, though? like No. No, I mean, I don't really have a favorite as a player. I love playing all of them, but okay. uh, I don't know. There's something special about that it song. It is very big, and it's got a big harmonized guitar the, riff. It does. Yeah. It's, got a, it's, it's all endorsed. It's a bit of everything. Selection. It's got a ton of attitude. So, Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. This is good. Um, this is First World Blues by Darlene Shrug. Simone, Max. Thank you so much for being on this show. I hope this was rewarding in some way for you. <laughs> uh, it was for me. Good. Well, thanks for having us. Thanks so much for having us.
guys. Very nice to have Simone and Max of Darlene Shrug on the 363rd episode of Creative Control, which is part of the Antica Podcast Network and available on iTunes, Audioboom, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, and Overcast, among many other podcast platforms. If you can't find an episode that you're looking for or you want to learn more about me or sign up for my regularly scheduled newsletter, please visit vishkana.com. You can like Creative Control on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Vish Creative, or follow me at Vishkana. You can also listen to a radio show version of Creative Control on Wednesdays at noon Eastern Standard Time around the world at CFRU.ca or on an actual radio at 93.3 FM if you're in or near Guelph. Also, please visit Patreon.com slash Creative Control and consider making a flexible monthly donation of whatever amount of money you can and want to just to keep this podcast going. It would be greatly appreciated. Speaking of keeping this podcast going, I'd like to thank our sponsors, Pizza Trocadero, whom you can call for pickup or delivery at 519-829-2444 or check them out at trocaderoguelph.ca. The Bookshelf, an independently owned bookstore, bar, music venue, and movie theater located at 41 Quebec Street in Guelph. Learn more about them at bookshelf.ca. Planet Bean, freshly roasted, fair trade, certified organic coffee. More information about them at planetbeancoffee.com. Granddad's Donuts, located at 574 James Street North in Hamilton, Ontario. Amazing donuts. Visit granddads.ca for more information. And to have a whole uh, meal's worth of ingredients delivered right to your Canadian home, visit HelloFresh.ca and use the promo code CREATIVE50 for 50% off your first order. Oh, also FreshBooks, a cloud accounting software for small business owners. Try it free for 30 days. Go to FreshBooks.com slash Creative Control and in their How Did You Hear About Us section, enter Creative Control. That's Creative with a K and control with a K. Otherwise, please continue to download episodes of the show, subscribe to the podcast and all those podcast platforms, and tell your friends to listen to the show if you like the show, because that all that helps. It's nice to get the word out about the thing. And that is all. I will talk to you very soon. Goodbye for now. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.